This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. It's time for another unbiased, in-depth episode of The Drop Podcast. Our focus is on the St. Louis Blues, but we also delve into other topics from around the NHL. So when the ref hands out that game misconduct penalty, tell him you don't care because you wanted to listen to the latest episode of The Drop anyway. Here's your host, Lance Descott. Welcome back once more for another edition of The Drop Podcast. I am your host as always, Lance Descott. We're going to get into a couple topics. We're going to talk some Eric Carlson. We're going to talk some also rule changes in the goalie equipment go over some of that, get my comments about these goalies these days, uh, and also goalies from the 70s, 80s, 90s. We'll go into what goalies used to wear and what they're going to have to do now, and in my mind, how it's going to affect the game. But before we get into that, I want to let everybody know that starting about, I guess it was three days ago, I changed our Twitter account. It's no longer official the drop. We're changing it. We got a new name. You can find us on Twitter at Drop Hockey Show. That's Drop Hockey Show on Twitter if you want to check us out. That's all you got to do. Go there. You can find all our tweets, see who we're following, see who's following us. I'd greatly appreciate it. So before I had my shows about the Blues training camp and what's going to go on there, uh, so on and so forth, I wanted to get into some of these rule changes. We know that last year the NHL changed the goalie pant size and uh, made a few other changes. I'm not necessarily thinking that that change changed a lot. But the stats do show something. The equipment has changed from over the years. I remember when I first started going to the games in 76, 77, that the goalies had some good-sized pads, yes, but their pants weren't bulky. Their chest protector wasn't bulky. You could tell the definition of how a guy was really built. Like one of my favorite goalies growing up, if not the favorite, was Mike Liut. My other favorite was Grant Fuhr. Mike Liut, you could tell, was a lanky guy, 6'1", 6'2", 190 pounds, I believe he weighed, somewhere in that range, maybe 200, but I know it wasn't over 200. He was a taller, skinny guy, and he was a stand-up goalie. Didn't go down in the butterfly a lot, didn't need to because of his athleticism, was a great goalie. Uh, Grant Fuhr wasn't a super tall guy, was a shorter guy, but man, his athleticism was just amazing, and the goalie started getting bigger. The equipment started to get bigger. The chest protectors were bulky. And I remember when Patrick Waugh played for the Canadians, and I'm not trying to pick on Patrick Waugh. I think a lot of people, even former NHL players, will say that they thought his equipment was not regulation. And I remember thinking, man, his pads are big, and he looks big. And if you see him on the street, he's not that wide of a guy. Man, he looks wide. Well, I thought it was bad when he was with the Canadians. And then when he went to Colorado, holy hell, it looked like he put on a bunch of sacks of concrete around him on his chest and on his pants and his goalie pads were wide. They did not look regulation. I don't think any team ever called him on it that I can remember, but things started getting out of hand after that. And the NHL has decided a couple years ago to make changes. We all know how Gary Bettman feels about one to nothing, two to one games, zero to zero games going into the third period. He doesn't think those are exciting games. Well, I think most NHL hockey fans, the diehards, will agree with me that those can be some fun games. You can have 30, 35, 40 shots on goal, and you can have a nothing-to-nothing game. You can have a one-to-nothing game. You have a two-to-one game, and it's a fun game. It's just that there's a lot of offensive action, but the goalies are playing well that night. 
I love those type of games, but Mr. Bettman does not. He wants the 5-4, to 6-5, to 4-3 to three games. I think in the league's mind, they're thinking, let's change some of the goalie equipment, which they started a while back. And this year, they've got some new changes. Starting this season, everybody knows uh, the shoulder floater that goes on your shoulder. The shoulder floater width is reduced from a maximum of seven inches. Now, that doesn't mean that every goalie's shoulder floater on their chest protector was seven inches. I remember mine was about six and a half. So, you know, take that as you may. The maximum has been seven inches. They're cutting that down to five and a half. The elbow floater, which goes around the elbow area, is being reduced from a maximum of seven. And like I said before, some guys haven't even had it that size. Some of them have had it, what the league's new rule is, is six inches. Mine was six inches. And the shoulder cap, it cannot project beyond an inch and a half off the shoulders. So you can't have those bulky shoulders like Patrick Waugh used to have that looked like they were three or four inches off his shoulders that made him look like Cro-Magnon Man. You can't have that anymore, three, two and a half, three inches. It has to be an inch and a half. Now, the bicep and forearm pads have also been minimized. I haven't found out the requirements on those and the, the max on those, but I will find that and get back to you guys later. What's my opinion on these changes? Well, before I give you my opinion, let's just say last year, if you look around the league and, and the average goals against was about 2.97. And if I'm not mistaken, the 2.97 is around, oh, I think the highest in about 10 to 11 years. So there's more scoring. But I would say the game has changed. There's no longer a two-line offsides. They've made the game to flow better. Teams get a lot more quality chances because of the size of the guys, the speed of the guys. Naturally, there's going to be more scoring. There just is. I don't think it's going to have a huge effect. The only thing I can see a lot it's going to affect is when you see that goalie get that shot between his arm and his side. He gets that shot between his, his arm and his side. Maybe it's not going to hit off his chest protector, the side of his chest protector. Maybe that, that side is going to be a little smaller and that puck's going to slip through instead of maybe hitting off the chest protector and getting stuck between his arm and his chest protector on the side. You may see a little bit of that. Uh, like I said, these guys are still athletic. These guys are in good shape. If you play 50, 60 games a year in the NHL, and like I said, it's, it's a tough position to play. A lot of people think you don't have to be that skilled. You just have to have good eyesight and reflexes. That's true, but you also have to be an athlete. You've got to be in good shape. And anybody out there that thinks the goalies aren't in good shape, I'd love to see somebody who's not played goalie go in and just take about 20 shots. That's it. Just have somebody shoot on you 20 shots. 10 of them from you know 15 to 20 feet out, 30 feet out. And the rest of them with guys coming in on you, like on breakaways, two-on-one, so on and so forth. And let's just see how much you sweat and let's see how much you hurt. It's a tough position to play. It's going to affect it a little bit. Do I think all of a sudden we're going to start seeing four or five goals a game per team? No, I don't. I, I really don't at this time. I do think it needs to stay where it's at. I don't think they need to make more changes because you start taking the padding away from goalies and some guys are going to get hurt. And I know that there's concern right around the shoulder area, the top of the shoulder where the shoulder meets the arm and the neck, that guys are afraid they're going to get hurt because there's not going to be as much padding there. You may see some injuries like that, and that's where I believe Roberto Luongo got hurt a couple years ago. 
if there's less padding there, there may be more shoulder injuries. But I don't think it's going to affect it that much. Now, the talk for months, for a year, has been Eric Carlson. Where is he going? Everybody thought they had a deal done for Tampa. It fell apart. Now a lot of people are saying Tampa's still interested. Toronto's interested. And I have confirmed that Toronto is still trying to get Eric Carlson. I don't see how they're going to do it. And apparently, since Trevor Linden is no longer with the Canucks, uh, he was the sticking point. Some of the ownership and other people within the organization in Vancouver wanted to go after Carlson. Trevor Linden did not. He didn't see the team needing to go in that direction. And I think his big concern, and from it would be my big concern, is unless you can sign and trade and get him. So you'd have to have him sign an extension, which I don't think Eric Carlson's going to do. I don't think he's going to sign an extension for a Vancouver Connect team. Uh, you know, I think they would have him for a year and lose him. They could get him for a year and then trade him at the trade deadline, but teams are going to know they've got to trade him. I don't really think Vancouver's going to be able to pull that one off. Plus, Vancouver doesn't want to unprotect their first-round pick. They don't want to make it to where, you know, a lot of teams now will say, okay, if the pick's higher than 10th, you can't take it. You can take next year's pick. A lot of teams are protecting it now, and they don't want to give up that pick just in case they're a bad team. Let's say Vancouver, you know, trades for Eric Carlson, and they say, yeah, you can have our number one pick, and it's not protected. And Vancouver stinks, and they're one of the top 10 bad teams in the league. Then Ottawa's going to get a top 10 pick, and then Vancouver could be out of Eric Carlson after this year. Uh, Toronto, on the other hand, I don't think that they're going to leave their first round pick unprotected anytime soon even though they've got a lot of young guys and they've got guys they've got to worry about signing. And yeah, a lot of them are going to be restricted free agents, but there's only so much money you can pay guys. They're going to lose some of those guys. And um, I just don't think they're going to want to leave that first round pick unprotected. Is he going to go somewhere before the start of the season? I would say yes. And I would. it's going to have to be a Toronto, a team like Tampa. I don't see a lot of other teams. I've tried to confirm it with some of my contacts I have with other West Coast teams. There is a West Coast team I believe is interested in him. And I'm not going to come out and say who until I definitely find out which West Coast team it is. But uh, there is a West Coast team that's really interested. There have been a couple that have kicked the tires. But there is a West Coast team that's very interested in getting Eric Carlson on a sign-and-trade deal. They want to make sure they can sign him to a long contract and keep him for a while and not give up a first-round pick like every other team is concerned and only have him for a year or so. So that's what's going on around the rest of the NHL. It's been an exciting offseason. So much going on. The Blues are looking forward to training camp. I'm looking forward to training camp, uh, getting to see what these guys can do, these young guys. Like I've said before, I think that Thomas is going to have to have a bad camp not to make the team. The Blues' options with him are almost zero. He has to make the team, basically. So I think Thomas is a shoe-in. And if Cairo plays well, uh, he's got to make the team. And if Cairo makes the team, you're going to see one or two guys on that out of the six or seven that are slated for the fourth line. Uh, the Blues, I think, have the deepest fourth line in the league. I'm not saying that that's great, but I think you're going to see one or two of those guys uh, possibly not on the roster at the beginning of the season. And one of the odd men out may be uh, Chris Thorburn. It's just time to go for him. They've got a a tougher guy now in in Patrick Maroon. And no, you don't want Patrick Maroon fighting all the time. 
But did Chris Thorburn fight all the time? No. Patrick Maroon's going to be physical enough for the Blues to have that guy there, give some grit, and stand up for his teammates. And in my opinion, guys, the rest of the team needs to stand up for each other. What happened last year with Jamie Benn putting his glove into Petrangelo's face is ridiculous. I know Petrangelo's not a fighter, and you don't want Petrangelo hurting himself, but dang, you've, you've got to stand up for yourself. If you get a reputation in this league as a guy that will not stand up for himself, they're going to take advantage of you because they know you're not going to fight because you're afraid to hurt yourself. I know no other Blues stood up for him at that time or later in the game, but he's at least got to get up and stand up for himself. Uh, I know people are going to say, but Lance, he's our captain. We don't want to lose him. No, but you don't want to get a reputation around the league as being a soft team or, or being a guy that's soft. You, you just don't want that. Uh, you know, he's going to end up getting hurt because somebody's going to take liberties with him. So that's how things are going. Like I said, we're getting excited about this uh, season coming up. And I wanted to pass something on to you guys. Recently, uh, Let's Go Blues Radio at letsgobluesradio.com. They have a a YouTube show that they air every week live on YouTube. Uh, Jeff, uh, Kurt, and Bill, Bill Day, Kurt Price, and Jeff Ponder, former member of the uh, St. Louis media. They have a show through the year, and it's normally every week, but sometimes their schedules conflict and they can't have one for a week or two or three weeks. But they do try to have a show every week. And through the summer, Jeff's trying to get the show moving and getting more subscribers. So he's been having a summer interview series. He did Andy Strickland. He did a few other people. He's done Smash, a radio DJ from the St. Louis area. And he was able to get me on the show and had an interview with me you guys check that out. That's at letsgobluesradio.com. I'd greatly appreciate it if you went over and checked that out. You'll get to know me a little bit more. But again, I want to thank everybody for joining me on this episode of the Drop Podcast. And remember, make sure if you want to find us on Twitter, you find us at Drop Hockey Show. And email me at Lance, L-A-N-C-E-D, the letter D is in David, Lance D at droppodcast.com. And with that being said, Until next time, let's go Blues. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Drop Podcast. If you want to download this episode, past episodes, or subscribe to The Drop, you can find us online at droppodcast.com, iTunes, and iHeartRadio. You can follow us on Instagram at the.drop.podcast. For more information about Lineup Media FM or the Drop Podcast, email us at info at lineupmediagroup.com or lanced at droppodcast.com. Until next time, let's go blues. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm.